This is where the fun begins. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Can't lose! King Kong ain't got shit on me! Oh my god! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! What's the Everybody procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! Say my name. And here we go. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Grab your snacks, get your popcorn ready. It's about to get realish. Thank you so much for joining us again on another episode of Realish Today. I am joined by my esteemed co-hosts. Uh, we've got the Podfather, the OG himself, the reason why uh, we are all here today, the Lord of the Dax himself, Derek Myers. And of course, <laughs> we've got Matty T. Matty Ice, the, the coldest man from the north with the hottest takes, Matthew Torado. How's it going, you guys? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Good to see hey. you guys. I say I appreciate the Matty Ice name, but you uh, you just call me a washed-up 36-year-old quarterback who ain't going to be in the league no more. Damn, but, bro. Wow. Damn. Hey, hey, it's because you got ice water in your veins, okay? You, 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 are, you are now the true right the true maddie ice but <laughs> i respect it thank you thank you thank you yes sir. sir but we have a lot of beyond the pleasantries right we've got a lot of things to touch on on this final installment of the lord of the rings trilogy so lord of the rings the return of the king uh but before we get into our feature presentation for the day just want to remind all you guys right <clears throat> excuse me um to follow us on all social media platforms ots media co and then ots media on youtube make sure you're liking subscribing hitting that notification bell so that you don't miss a second of all of our awesome stuff we've got going on at ots whether it's uh lifestyle uh movie stuff like this on realish or uh our in-depth sports coverage uh so many different angles we've got coming on those ots channels so make sure that you're following so you don't miss a damn thing uh but with all those beautiful notes out of the way um I'm really excited to jump into this third installment, right? And I mentioned this as soon as I hopped into the call today, so I figured this is should be, right, the way we start this episode. Um, me personally, of the two trilogies we have seen, um, this is the first time where I feel the third installment doesn't let us down. If anything, I feel like this this one really really has a debate for being one of the better movies in the series. So I'm really interested to hear how you guys feel about that first and foremost. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, this is a masterpiece in every sense of the word. Um, and I think in my opinion, uh, wraps up uh, the trilogy beautifully. Um, and I think the go, I would venture to argue has the best ending of any trilogy period just because of uh, his execution. And I think also because of um, sort of the, the themes behind it. And uh, I will be sure to touch on that. Yeah, um, I would, this does what you would hope a trilogy does. Like every film is supposed to get better, it's supposed to be better than the last one. Um, and I feel like this one definitely is the best one of the trilogy. I think, um, it was longer, and Matt, you watched the extended, right? So I am definitely interested in hearing what the differences were because I def I I couldn't do that. <laughs> not 
as much as I wanted to for this one, I couldn't do it. But I think that I think this is uh, uh, very well done for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the longest movie in the series, and that's before the extended version, right? So I yeah. agree. I feel like yeah. there's so many different loose ends wrapped up, right? A lot of questions we had, even in last week's episode, uh, that got answered. So we might as well start there, right? That's where this movie starts. So it's fitting. Um, we got a lot of a lot of questions answered about our guy, right? The 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 devious, uh, mischievous uh, former Hobbit himself in. Uh, in well, I don't even know what to call him, right? I like calling him Smeagol before we got into this, yeah. but Gollum is appropriate. I don't know. I don't even know what to call him anymore. But um, we got to learn his backstory, right? I, right off of the beginning of the uh, of the film, and my favorite part about it is it really was a key into um, just how powerful the Ring's grasp is, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and obviously, the context for that is. Uh, he literally, I mean, they were hobbits back then, so he looked very normal, but he went out there with his cousin Deagle, right? Uh, hilarious that uh, Deagle Schmeagol, uh, all kinds of alliteration, uh, uh, f- familiar uh, facial tones you make when you may say those words. But uh, um, yeah. they found the, the, after being pulled into the river by a strong fish, which honestly, if, we, if this is one of the things in the film that bothered me, right? Because that yeah. fish did not look that strong, bro. To, to be pulling someone straight into the river like that uh, did not look that powerful or imposing. You could have got a bigger fit. I mean, for all the visual stuff you guys did in this film that was so kick-ass, you could have got a better fish. But um, he falls into the lake, and then while in there, he notices the ring, uh, is able to retrieve it, and then a struggle ensues after they get out where you see uh, Smeagol go dark, right? You see him change, right, from... Um, being just there out with his cousin on the water to having this really demented look on him and eventually straight up kills his own cousin, right? Just to get the ring after he wasn't willing to let Smeagol see it in that moment. Um, I was just curious what you guys thought of that origin story, whether or not it was satisfactory, right? Um, And what do you think about sort of why Smeagol is just so unable to resist the ring compared to other people we see in the story. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, um I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. Um, in terms of the origin story, because that was the thing that I really wanted to see uh, after the second film. Um, I think we got enough. I. <laughs> I think we got it. We don't, we don't, we don't need a whole movie. Film. Yeah. We, <laughs> <laughs> um, even though some parts of it, you know, I, I, I almost wouldn't mind seeing like a, a maybe a short, but like a, an entire film is probably unnecessary. Um, but I thought in terms of the of his of the the story and and showing at least the turning point for Smeagol, I think that that's that was very well done. Um. What was your other question? Um, how do you feel about his character's inability to sort of resist the rain compared to other characters yeah. we see throughout? And why do you think that is? Yeah, I almost feel like... So, part of me uh, is starting to wonder if if the um, the ring's power is a little stronger for hobbits than for 
regular sized man because you saw the same with Bilbo, how strong it was for him. In fact, it was so strong he didn't age until he didn't have the ring with him. Um, and then Frodo, Frodo lost his mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, the only one that didn't lose it was was Sam. Right. Um, so I almost wonder if the if hobbits are like have a a, a higher. I don't even know what the term would be, but higher uh, exposure, I guess, for for this ring to to be something that's just um that grasps them a little little more than than a regular man. But I mean, you can still see like it definitely turned uh uh, uh men into um uh like mindless puppets. But it just seemed like to be a little stronger for hobbits. And I don't know, maybe did you guys see that or no? I definitely, well, I definitely think the Hobbit part of it is something that intrigues me, right? Because I feel like it's a mixed bag, right? Because I feel like Sam, obviously, we see the ways in which he isn't influenced uh, to the same, I guess, effect. Uh, but I wonder if there is something there, like in Hobbit lore, that makes them more, I guess, like susceptible to that. Um, yeah. Matthew, what were you going to say? Sorry about that. I was going to say, I honestly don't think so. Um, and here's why I think that really the only sample size we have is Frodo and Smeagol. So I think it's hard to like definitively say that if any or all Hobbits are, are as likely or as least likely to be susceptible to the ring. But what I will say is that I think like narratively speaking, Smeagol being sort of drawn to the ring almost instantly is meant to be a parallel to Frodo. Because if you notice that Frodo goes on the opposite arc as Smeagol does, if you think about it. I think the relationship that Smeagol and his cousin originally had is not too dissimilar from the relationship between Sam and Frodo. And to see how, you know, Smeagol, because he sort of has a fascination with the world around him, and then this ring is very much an example of that, right? The idea that it's going to be immediately taken away from him sort of obviously ends up being manipulated by a ring and then he subsequently kills his own cousin. If you notice much later in the movie, and we'll get into that, Frodo was on the verge of essentially killing Sam for attack, for presumably trying to take his ring about how those two are basically becoming at odds with one another. So I just think that that's mainly the core reason why I just think that they really wanted to parallel Smeagol and Frodo's characters of how, you know, these two very innocent people you know, end up becoming the worst possible version of themselves. And the difference is one this ultimately decides to destroy the way and what the other decides to um let it control themselves, you know. So and it does a very powerful thing. So what about Bilbo then? Because Bilbo Bilbo was losing it before he left the Shire, right? Like he was he was he was he was pretty much done. Like he was really losing his mind with that ring. And again, it, it just he didn't age. Like even in the, in the first film, um, excuse me, Gandalf even said, "You don't look an, a day older than, you know, I think it's something like you don't look a day older than the last time I saw you." And it had been a long time since we had seen each other. But it was like it almost seemed as if the the, the ring preserved Bilbo's aging. Um, and then once the ring was gone, that's when he just 
age. That's great. Um, what do you think about that, though? Um, it's interesting. I think, like, I'm trying to think, because I think that's definitely a fair interpretation. I just can't, I just can't remember it. I just don't know if the ring has that ability. I was under the impression that you could still age as you normally do. The difference is your mind could be corrupted. So I don't know if there's a capacity for that. But I think at the same time, it's interesting because you obviously sort of see Bilbo distancing himself from people and even him sort of getting the ring taken away from him for not even a minute. You know, let the him sort of uh, lashing out at Gandalf. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's definitely interesting because I don't know. No, I think you're all right about that because... I'm assuming we both, all three of us had the same ending. I mean, Bilbo is significantly older than what he was when we saw him. And that was only a four-year difference. So, I don't know. I just think, yeah. Um, I'll be totally honest with you. I forgot your question, bro. You just want to say that again? Because I kind of just, I was, I was on the ground. Like, I was Let him up. cook. Let him cook. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, bro. What was your question again? I kind of just like was rambling. I no, you good. Uh, but I, I was, I was, because I know you were saying that you didn't, you didn't see the, the, I guess, I guess the parallel, um, between the ring's power and it being, the hobbits being more susceptible to its, to its power. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so I was wondering if, if you, if you just think that like Bilbo's, aging like like, milk, just happened because of that, or it was just like you know it wasn't wasn't due to the ring. I was like, yeah, I think um. Probably, probably due to the ring, but I also think that it probably affect every species the same. Um, okay. And honestly, unless we, because I don't know if rings of power explores that, and I'm, I'm assuming the ring shows up there, yeah. um, after its yeah. creation, so maybe they give more of um provide more of a canon to that. So, but at this moment, obviously, I think we're we're just left to assume that at least to me, is that it sort of has that carryover effect to everyone it just so happens that you know a few people we've seen have access to it are obviously the original um king who kills Saren and obviously you know uh Smeagol and then Bilbo and then um Frodo so yeah that'd be interesting I, I will I, I might actually check that show out now just to see if that's a if that's a um running theme through that so yeah, for sure. See what there is to gain about that. I think, although I'm really jumping ahead in the movie here, I think this is an appropriate point to sort of have this discussion. So uh, right towards the end, right in the midst of the battle, uh, we have, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Frodo and uh, Sam, after dealing with all their trials and tribulations, arrive mm-hmm. to Mordor, right? And there's that confrontation scene uh, where... Uh, Gollum almost gets his way, right? Bites off Frodo's finger after Frodo sort of selfishly puts the ring on. And we get the feeling at that point that we're not really sure which way this is going to go. Um, eventually with uh, Gollum falling to his death with the ring. And then, of course, uh, Frodo barely hanging on by a thread and being saved by Sam. I'm just curious how you guys felt once again. We, we, we've we had our issues with Frodo throughout the series. So how did you feel about this moment, right? And um sort of the way it all played out yeah i mean definitely satisfying uh because seeing that little shit die was you know 
<laughs> top notch. Uh, you know, I think honestly, given the circumstances, it was a fitting end for such a deplorable character. Honestly, I mean, sort of see him, you know, have this sort of split personality, um, and then you know to betray both Sam and Frodo. Um, I think in in some respects you feel sympathy for him. On the other hand, you you just see someone who obviously cannot be trusted, and obviously does not deserve any sort of attention or affection that you know Sam or Frodo would want to provide. Um, I think him sort of dying with the very ring in his hand. Um, you know, I, like I said, was was rather fitting. You know, uh, he didn't get any what he wanted in the end, but it cost him his life. Uh, and I think that's sort of like the moral of the story here, right? It's sort of never let, you know, don't indulge yourself too, so much into something that, you know, um, you risk your own life in the process, you know? Um, and then obviously seeing Frodo have the temptation to sort of potentially dive back into the lava. Um, and then Sam, the, Sam simply saying, just let it go, Mr. Frodo, you know? Um, I think really put the rest sort of all the pain, all the suffering they, you know, they went through on this journey, you know, so I think very good storytelling. Frodo is weak, bro. Like it, this only confirmed to me that Sam was the, was the, the better of the two. And it irritates me that the, the story being told from that adventure is Frodo re- basically re- rescued the world. He saved the world uh, from doom, and it wasn't him. He didn't. He didn't save mankind. It, it really, it was Sam. Sam is the hero behind the whole thing. He's the one that kept pushing Frodo and saved Frodo's life. Uh, you know, when he got um, uh, he got caught up in the web, right? And 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 stabbed and and got paralyzed and um, even the or- when the orcs took him, and Sam still Sam Sam stayed by that dude's side when he had no reason to, no reason to. Um, and and I can't say Sam didn't feel the power of the ring, but he didn't fall for it, right? I think I think he felt it, but I don't think he felt um. He didn't fall for for that power, and uh, I don't know. Frodo, I Frodo irritates me, man. I mean, the the more that the story went, the further the story went, the more ir- uh, irritating I became by him, and it never changed throughout this whole series. It never changed. I I really um think that there's something about him that. I think the parallel Matt that you were talking about between him and Smeagol makes a lot of sense. I didn't because I didn't think about that, but they are very much alike. They are very much alike, and I think that um, I think I think Frodo would have turned into Smeagol. Like had it not been for Sam, I think he would have turned into to what well, not Smeagol. He would have turned into Gollum. I think that would have I think that would have been his his uh, demise. You know, like the fact that he only lost a finger <laughs> throughout this whole thing. I I think that's that's you know 
significantly better than where he was about to go. So I think Sam <laughs> Sam deserves the credit for for all of this. Probably go six feet under. You want? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be Ash. And I really love uh, how I turned into you during this movie. Like before, I was always the Frodo advocate, right? I'm like, no, you know, this is this is just what happens, right? We get corrupted by the ring. Uh, what murder? And then, and then before I knew it, then I'm like, yeah, this this idiot. Like Sam is trying to tell him, like, yo, this man is trying to set us up. I saw it, right? Like I I heard him. I, I know this is what he's trying to do, and still he's just blinded. I mean, in some ways, though, I do kind of agree with what Frodo said in that moment. Like, at that point, what are you going to do? Turn back and have no idea where right. the fuck you're going or what, what your plan is? So I, I do understand right. that. Um, when it all was said and done, I was honestly surprised that they even ended up in the right place at all. Like, I, I kind right. of felt like... Um, throughout all that, they would never find their way to Mordor because of Smeagol, um just kind of dicking him around. So um, mm. I, I definitely felt that annoyance with Frodo. At the same time, I do kind of feel bad for him, right? Because I'm not sure that... And we don't get to see this. This is my main issue, right? With, like, especially protagonists, like, when a lot of their motives are things that happen to them versus, like, things that they are affecting change with in the in the realm of the of the film like i feel like with him we're just seeing all these things sort of being forced upon him and now that different mindset is how he handles the world around him versus him making a choice and that changing who he is right um so i definitely feel like he is a weaker character in that way but i think also the the dynamic between him and sam is what makes him a good character in my opinion like the fact that mm. he although clearly very affected by the ring um is still someone that we feel with Sam right is worth saving right because we know that it isn't his fault if that makes sense like i and i feel like that's the excuse that he's gotten in my opinion like throughout the film like yeah, he's he's doing dumb things, but it, it's the ring's fault. And then even after the ring is disintegrated, uh, we see how strong that bind is, right? So um, I try to ease up a little on him, but um, I, I feel like the, the story would be so different if it was Sam. And if we lived in a world where maybe it was Sam and him being the same person he always has been, ends up being corrupted by the ring too, I think that's that'll be that would have been fascinating, right? To see the difference. Um, but I think, I think it's just a testament to, to the ring and the power versus, um, just him being, a, a a terrible person who makes terrible decisions. Like, I feel like a lot of that is just him being, um, sort of not having that post nut clarity, so to speak, right? Like just being so focused <laughs> on what he needs to do, uh, that he just loses all of the aspects of himself. So. Uh, although we touched on a very big momentous moment of this film, we still got a lot to yeah. cover. Um, but I'm yeah. just fascinated by this dynamic of the ring and this side story, right? It's almost like multiple different stories happening at the same time throughout this film. And in my opinion, this was the most satisfying one for me. Like, although all the other stuff went on, uh, all the wars we're about to get into, um, mm -hmm. I, I was really uh, taken aback by how powerful the ring clearly is and what what it'll do to people because uh, that was the, that was the biggest sort of loose end tying that they did in this third installment in my opinion
Yeah, and before we move on uh, from this this dynamic of the film, the only reason why I'm saying that about Sam is because he took the ring off of Frodo before the orcs took him away, and he still had the wherewithal to give it back to Frodo when he saved Frodo from that battle. You know what I'm saying? Like he he seemed to be the only one that was not affected by that ring, and that's why I think that he would uh. He would have done a much better job than Frodo with with carrying it uh, uh, to Mordor. I think I think he would have done a lot better um, with that. It's a great shout. Yeah, I didn't even really put two and two together there. I feel like that was such a short, a very short time frame, though. It was short. Because remember, Frodo it was long enough. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I mean maybe this is more so like from a pacing perspective, but I was under the impression that you know Sam located Frodo rather quickly, and honestly, I don't recall the exact scene where he provided Frodo the ring, but it certainly wasn't when he was entrapped inside of the uh, inside of the webs. Because if you recall, that was already taken. He was taken off to the orcs with the ring in possession, and then Sam makes the remark of, "Oh, he's like you know." I forgot what he said specifically. He was like, oh, I should have, you know, grabbed the ring. I wasn't thinking about it. Or I should have, you know, checked for a heartbeat. So I, I don't know. I did, I can't get behind the whole Sam is, is a better candidate for the ring because you would have just, you would have seen the exact same movie, but with a different main character. I, I just don't think awesome. that there's nothing from a character perspective that makes him an infinitely better candidate to be in possession of the ring. I think Frodo given his friendship with Sam and how we're under the impression that they've, you know, been together for a long time, I think he would have shown the same deal of support and also, you know, make attempts to sort of um, make any attempts to get Sam to sort of, you know, uh, what's it called, to withdraw the ring at certain times so that he's given the mental break and that he doesn't become too corrupted by it, you know? Um, you friends like Frodo, you don't need enemies. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. Yeah. The shade. <laughs> All the shade, yes, sir. Um, but hey, I, 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 I think we got a lot more important stuff to get to here. But I, I don't want to let it go. I feel like this is my favorite aspect of the film, even though it's such a minor thing, right? It just, it really is. If you think about it, what the series is known for, right? So, yeah. uh, makes yeah. a lot of sense that I'm willing to go down this rabbit hole. But before we move on, I, I wanted to touch on the the scene with the spider. So funny enough, yeah. um. Sir Peter Jackson, uh, I hate calling him sir. I don't know why that's a thing, but it, it is a thing. Um, he actually has arachnophobia and is like extremely afa- afraid of spiders. And he designed um, the, the spider sort of based off of uh, so, uh, one of the ones that he's seen a lot growing up in his life and like his fear of spiders in general. Um, so I was just curious what you guys thought of that moment, of course, um sam saving the day once again uh even though he thought for for some time there that frodo was dead uh just a crazy sequence right um shout out shout out to the spider because in some ways it did it, you could argue it did save um frodo a, in that moment in some ways even though uh we felt we came away feeling like he just got in some big trouble uh i do have to speak on <clears throat> just the the technical aspects for a moment now you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but they didn't play any music when as Frodo was getting chased, correct? 
Or did they play music for a bit and then the, the music died down as soon as he exited the cave? I know when he was outside the cave. The okay. I think, yeah. The the latter half or the first? The latter, yeah. Latter, okay. Um, I think that was a brilliant choice because I think me and Derek has touched on this. I think uh, uh, Chris, you better, and absolutely I think we touched on this too, is that oftentimes filmmakers try and manipulate your feelings with music rather than having you experience things organically. You know, I think music to sort of be in, in a, it's not even a word, uh, like an accompaniment or to the company, sort of what you're uh, um, portraying on screen. And there's a really great moment where Frodo thinking he lost the spider, he has the camera, like it's still, it pans left, it pans right. And then there's a quick reverse shot and then he immediately gets stung. And I think the build of attention in that scene was extremely well done because it allowed us to not only have a sense of like dread of like, okay, seriously, is, did he actually succeed? Is the spider, you know, fully gone? And then even for a moment as, you know, Frodo immediately falls to the ground paralyzed, you know, we think of the very worst. Um, before Sam obviously intervenes, um, you know, so I thought that was a really, really well done moment. I think is an underrated. I, I think probably won't be as talked about much, you know, but I just think for a filmmaker standpoint, it was extremely well done. No, I agree with that. I think, excuse me, if I'm not mistaken, I think that part of the scene, I think, was quiet, and then once once uh, Frodo collapsed and the web started to be spun, that's when the music started up again. Um, I didn't even think about that, honestly. That that was a very, very tense uh, portion of, of the film. Um, even though you knew the spider was there, <laughs> but it, it's, it, it was very tense uh, to see what was going to end up happening. Um, so no, I, I agree with that. That was, that was, that was a very, uh, very well done. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too. I actually forgot that they showed like a like a overhead shot of like the spider crawling. And that's another thing too. At least it wasn't like a traditional jump scare, you know. That's why I really yeah. love that scene. Yeah. Yeah, no, they did they did a phenomenal job with that scene. For sure. For sure. I think a lot of this film is phenomenally done, including uh the next parts that we're about to get into. But um quick before we get into the the meat and potatoes of things. Uh, how did you feel about, I don't know exactly what to call it, but that orb, right, that was found, that was that belonged to Sauron, um, that we saw Pip, right, I believe his name is, uh, look into, right? And he actually almost kind of like the ring was like compelled to go out of his way to to grab this, right, and really look into it. Um, how did you feel about sort of what that foreshadowed and that moment in the film? Because to me, I kind of was... I, I was I wasn't really understanding why it was such a big deal, right? Until later on, a lot of these things get revealed. But how did you guys feel about that moment? Well, I was like, "What an idiot! <laughs> why are you touching the orb?" Um, yeah, I think honestly, just sort of hearing all these distorted voices and how Saron, even though he's hundreds and hundreds of miles away can sort of reach out to a person and find out their their vulnerabilities all their weaknesses and their histories and everything and try and find a way for them to cave in and give them the answers that he's looking for you know um i think is a really cool thing um i think like it, execution like it's, it's kind of stupid <laughs> you know because it was more it wasn't like Saren was like actively 
um what's it called um it wasn't like the orb was like turned on you know like pippin picked it up and then is the one who activated it you know so i kind of wish they just had a moment where like pippin donkey was hearing voices grew drawn to it and then he sort of had to resist um fighting um Sauron before you know legolas and then aragorn you know intervened as well as Gandalf, obviously but yeah, I he's he's one of those characters that you 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 like but you don't love. Like he's cuz in my the way I'm thinking about it he you could see that kind of tendency in him early on. And because of that, he would have been. I, I would have at least said stay back, like, mad early, before all this stuff started. Because I mean, he drew in that whole uh, legion of orcs. I think that was in the first film. Um, um, what else? I think um, wasn't he the one that was basically kind of like getting them? Uh, I'm sorry. I think he did something else with the trees but it was like little things that he just did to kind of like irritate and 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 throw people off throughout the throughout the journey which wasn't toward the positive side of of things so i mean i would have figured hey let's leave him back if that's the case but um i think he was a good character i just i he's vulnerable too like I, I see a lot of similarities between him and, and Frodo. Like, you know, you can see the redeeming qualities, but at the same time there's there's, there's an annoyance with them that um that you just can't shake. Um and I think they Frodo I mean not Frodo, but uh, Gandalf kept calling him um oh, what was the word? Uh he kept calling him some name. Like idiot or something. Fool. I think he kept calling him fool. Um. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's like you know, if that's the case, you know, send him back. Just send him back to to, to the shark because he's not doing anything that's going to help you. But I don't know. I think that um, I think he was a good character though. Toward the end, of of course, especially with um, um, God, I forgot his name. Is it Bonamir, I believe. That's it. That's his son, right? Dolomir or something like that. I don't. I'm Bolom- the worst. Yes. Yeah. I, no. It's some, something. His son was um, Boromir, right? Thumir. Yeah. Are you talking about the the king of um? Yes, I'm, the king I'm, of I'm gonna butcher the name of the yeah. freaking Gondor. Gondor. What was the city that they were in? Gondor. They were in Gondor. Wait, that's Gondor. I thought it was like something like that. Was it not that? No, that's Theoden. That's Theoden. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I only said something like a, like a method or like something. But okay. There's a lot of fucked up names in this series. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Yeah, <laughs> but he even threw his his uh life to uh to the ruler of Gandor, um, to become a servant for no reason. You know what I'm saying? Like that, there was no reason for him to do that. I guess he felt compelled because his son laid his life on the line to save him specifically like that. Yeah, yeah. that's the only reason I would imagine. And and his reaction, right? Like he already knew that his son was dead and was kind of like, so what happened? You know, like, like just kind of like, so I I think if there was any point for him to do it, 
that was the point. So I wasn't too mad about that. That and yeah. I, I don't know if they show the sneaks in the edition, but there is also a quick shot when Faramir um confronts his father, um basically about the about them sort of withdrawing from uh, like the destroyed city, you know, like the very city that like the 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 ship people were trying to sail in. And he was trying to like basically explain some situations. Oh, I did I did what I did in the best interest of my people. And then there's a quick shot like Boromir in the background, but like the king wanting to reach out to his son as well. Yeah. And then yeah. the, literally the next scene after is when Pippin comes in. And I'm assuming sort of senses the hostility between both the characters. And like to Chris's point, felt compelled um, to offer services because his own because you know obviously Boromir died in, in the heat of battle. You know, and then obviously there's tremendous guilt over that whole situation, you know. So I think there's really just like yeah. a build up of all these emotions and stuff. So I feel like it was I'm relatively not... in character. Yeah, it was it definitely was. I, I just I don't get the reason to speak when Gandalf told him to not speak. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. shut up. Like he didn't in that moment he didn't have to offer himself to to uh to yeah. him. You know what I'm saying? Like that that was that's where I was kind of like just thrown off with it. But I mean it was very much in line with him. He just yeah. with his character. <laughs> he just always inserted himself into to things that he didn't need to insert himself into. Um, Fair enough. So that yeah. 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 I, I, I see what you're saying. Into the story. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah like, I, know. Dude, I know. I know. <laughs> but it's just like it just doesn't make sense. Like when you think about yeah. it, like Gandalf literally said, you know what? Don't say anything. You've already doing, done man? enough. You've already done You've and already said done enough. enough. Yeah, yeah. Just be quiet, and he could um, do that. <laughs> what what great scenes though, especially the ones between Faramir and and Pippin. I'm assuming you guys had those scenes, right? The ones where Faramir and Pippin had a conversation in the hall before Faramir uh, was sent by his father to reclaim that destroyed city. No, I don't recall what you're talking. Oh, about. okay. Yeah. Well, it was <laughs> it was basically a great scene where like Pippin, at the end of it, says, you know, like you have a different kind of strength. Your father just doesn't see it. You know, it was really like the how for, that's why Farmer is one of my favorite characters in the trilogy because those added scenes give him so much character depth, and it's unfortunate they just cut it from the movie. You know, I guess maybe pacing wise it didn't work, and they really wanted to get to like the, to the meat of things, yeah. but um. You know, obviously, it's this whole idea of you know being rejected by the very person you love, and 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 things of that nature. You know, obviously, all the sort of verbal abuse he endured, and how he has he felt like he has undying obligation. How he's really been his brother's shadow for just a long time. You know, and obviously, to hear those words from Pippin before you know he goes and potentially sacrifices his life, um, obviously meant a great deal to him. You know, um, in the end, he survived, but you know he was definitely yeah. this close to, you know. Yeah, say one, do, one does not simply overcome the daddy issues alone okay? yes yeah. exactly <laughs> um i'm sorry for doing about the talking but uh chris since uh i know chris is like man shut up what we're but, here uh, for <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um if there's one thing i want to ask you guys is because chris you asked about like the the orb of it affecting pippin did you guys see the scene with aragorn touching the orb Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you did you watch that? Okay, good, mm-hmm. good, good. It is raw. It's a reminder of that. So I don't know if you guys. And I think that's a perfect or... segue. Yeah, that's a perfect yeah. segue to talk about Aragorn's character and obviously his yeah. 
huge triumph in becoming the king, right? But uh, we got we got some ways to get there, right? There's some na- some navigating to do. So my first question to you guys is, how do you guys feel about the elves? Period. Like, but beyond just Aragorn, and then what do you think it means, right? Story significant wise, that an elf is the person who sort of completes the succession and and ends up uh, saving the world, so to speak. I don't know. I mean, I I I can see their importance uh, to the story, but at the same time, it just it like and, and it may be different for the extended versions. Um, but I don't know that I really that like they were actually needed for the, for a lot of the times that we saw them. Um, it almost felt like they were filler at times. Almost like um, I keep forgetting the name of the, that that creature. Um. The the guy that's riding the dragon that was that was flying the dragon all over the place. Night King, right, or something like that. The night, yeah, night something. Um, like he felt like filler too. You know what I'm saying? Like it, that's kind of like how I felt with 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 the elves. Like I could see the 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 reason for them being there, but at the same time, they they didn't feel like I don't feel like we we went deep into their whole arc as much for as we sure. could have gone. Um, which sucks because, you know, um, they're definitely important to the story, of course. Um, and, and Legolas, right? Like, they were all, they were all there and, 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 and necessary. It's just that something about them just kind of felt unnecessary at times. I'm glad you felt that way too, because that's kind of why I asked. I felt like there was such an emphasis on all these different characters, um, the only thing that really made sense to me was like the orcs being the foil to the um, to the elves, right? And mm-hmm. them being elves at one point and all that good stuff. So I feel like that part of it was the only thread that I really noticed. Um, yeah. But as far as Aragorn's character, like just noble as fuck, right? Like just just willing to do whatever yeah. needs to be done for the cause. Um, I don't. I don't know exactly how I do feel about him, though, right? Because I feel like although he is this noble character for sure um, and super selfless, right, and doing everything he has to do, it's not like he's doing this for his own gain. But I do feel like to a certain extent he is kind of one-dimensional in that way. Do you guys agree? Yes. No. Honestly, um, I don't think he is, and that's mainly because, like, Aragorn... Like, I, also, I don't know. I feel like he's rather complex in some ways. I think, one, you, so this aspect I, I dislike, and that's his relationship with Arwen. So she appeared, like, sporadically in the second movie to set up what she was supposed to do in this movie, which was, like, going on the, like, the, the journey with all the elves and stuff. Mm-hmm. But... I did not sense any chemistry between those characters, in my opinion. I'm not sure if you guys also feel I the did. same. No, um, I did. Second yeah. movie. Second movie, they had some moments. Second movie. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when it came to like, the third movie, like I, I don't know if they had like, a tremendous amount of chemistry together. And I just found it extremely weird that when you have a romance that critical to Aragorn's character, because he's, because, you know, this whole idea of, oh, they're destined to be together, and she appears probably... I mean, she appeared like three times in the obviously Return of the King. 
you know, I was like, okay, like it is what it is. I'll accept it. But at its core, though, and what makes it compelling for Aragorn is that he sort of has like a definitive purpose in life, right? He sort of had to leave behind Arwen, you know, in order to go on, really go on his own journey of self-discovery, you know, and I, I think at the time it didn't feel like he was, um, he felt he deserved Arwen, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of us could feel like, you know, maybe, you know, like we deserve better or we feel that the person we love deserves better. You know, those are the kind of things I think all of us can relate to in some capacity, um, yeah. you know, maybe at one point or another. So that makes a lot of sense. And then when it comes to Aragorn, obviously being destined to be King of Gondor, what I appreciated was the fact of, you know, like he didn't sort of need to have all these like, I mean, he had plenty of obstacles along the way, I feel. I mean, him being in multiple near-death experiences, him being at the core of every major battle. Um, again, that selflessness really, you know, like um, being front and center in a lot of situations, sort of all the guilt and sort of all of sort of his emotions that he portrayed, knowing, you know, the fact that he will, you know, many people will lose, like, lose their lives. In the Helm's Deep battle, you obviously saw him reaching out to the, to the boy soldier who was, who was probably like 15 years old about to go fight against all these orcs because they were just, like, all their men were literally depleted. And going into this movie as well, sort of seeing him sort of lead the charge and obviously come up with like a having this strategic advantage against Thorne to have him draw the entire armies over so that you know Frodo, Frodo and Sam could sort of make their way to, um, to um, to the mountain undetected. I think there's plenty of moments for him to be this very you know like complex character in a lot of respects. Um, I don't think he has like an out like a lot of like outward development so to speak and i think maybe that could have been helpful at least for definitely for you chris and sort of like making you get behind them more but i think in my opinion that sort of subtlety is what made him you know a bit more interesting than sort of like traditional protagonist if that makes sense for sure and i think the general um i guess the general shifts in who our protagonist is right also affects that like i feel like a lot of the through, throughout the movies, you could argue there's multiple antagonists and protagonists that we're following, right, in, in their perspective journeys. So um, I definitely do agree with that. I just feel like it's kind of flat a little, at least for me. Like, a lot of it just comes off of, like, you know, this is what I do because this is what I do, you know? And, and I respect it, right, to a certain extent. you, Someone's got to be that guy, right? Uh, but I, I feel like some, not only just, like, struggling, I guess, with what you have to go through, but also, like, some contemplation about the reality of it. I don't know how, but that, that would have been interesting for me um, to see that sort of um, ascension, right? Because not every day everyone gets the opportunity to be the king, right? So um, I, I thought a little bit more sort of <clears throat> seeing how it personally affected him, so to speak, uh, would have been interesting for me at least. Sorry, I'm like watching people like crowd my car right now outside. But I'm no, you're good. Uh, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> Peter Jackson, and then he's yes. like, don't talk shit about my character. Yeah, right, right. This, this, your, a... this your car? This your car? <laughs> get him, get him. Uh, nah, but as far yeah, as this precious. this final, yes, yes, my, my precious. Um, as far as this sort of final, uh, large hoorah, right? I think it's important to to touch on this because this is this is one part of the story that I didn't like, and I don't, I, and I, you guys might fully dis disagree with me, um, but. The, the underworld army um 
and, and Aragon's procurement of them and them being the the real swing factor in what determined this war. Uh, although yeah. I get it, right, the story element of it, I get it. It just felt so cheap to me as a as a storyteller. What what did you guys feel about that? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I like their execution of them too <laughs> felt weird. It was like it almost it almost felt like Game of Thrones meets uh, Pirates of the Caribbean uh, in a certain <laughs> aspect. It was just like it was like unnecessary. <laughs> like I, I again, I like you said, I get the the progression of the story um for them but it was also kind of weird um just i think i think why it felt weird is because while they were um while they well aragon and and legolas and um help me with the dwarf's name um while they were down there trying to you know get them to surrender and and well not surrender but to help them with win this war like they were able to walk through this ghost, but you know the 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 king of the ghosts—I forget his name—but the king swung his sword, and Aragorn, um, Aragorn, you know, stopped it. It was like you know, it was like he was actually battling with with the human. Um, I think that was weird to me because well, again, this is this is a, a, a fictional story, so I'm not you know, it is what it is. But the fact that a ghost is carrying a sword that can actually do harm is weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that was just, that was very interesting. I don't know. I'm assuming it's due to the sword that Aragon had, but at the same time, it's kind of, it, it still feels weird to me. I don't know. I think that that whole execution was just very interesting. Well, were there any shots of, like, orcs being cut through? Not that I saw. No, but you, it, there was it could moments be that they, where... Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. I was saying there was moments where you saw the effect of what they did to them, but it wasn't like right. you saw them being cut open. But what were you going to say? No, I, I think that's probably, like, the point. Like, honestly, I think it was more so, like, them literally dying. I think, ironically, dying from, like, from ghosts of all things. Sort of, like, these entities that they literally cannot attack. Um... You know, and I think I'm gonna say I think executionally it worked really well. I think the the ghost being able to like uh what's it called to to connect their Aragorn sword, I think is a real testament to the fact that obviously this sword is like the the what's it called? Like the lat like the, the piece of the previous king, you know, and it was very obviously foreshadowed in the very first movie, and I forgot to bring it up when we talked about it. Um, because I was like, I'm 95% sure that's the same sword he's going to use in Return of the King. And I was like, well, this is pretty, it was pretty obvious the way they were setting it up. Yeah. So I think it, it makes sense that obviously all of these men were, I think they were part of the original armies who faced off against Saren. I, I assume that's the case. And I could be wrong about that. So I think that's what makes that's, it even more powerful, like right? Um, you know, is how like, oh, like you, you, you carried the very, the, the, like the, a piece of our history, you know, mm-hmm. and I think sort of as Aaron or Aaron, as Aragorn convinces them, you know, hey, listen, like I may be destined to do this, but right now this is not about me, you know, this is really about saving all of Middle Earth, and I ask you to take, you know, take an oath, and to which they listen, they obviously greatly assist in the first major battle, 
You know, I think it's also another thing about how Aragorn's, you know, a rather complex character, right? I think oftentimes you, you sort of take the high road and say, hey, look at me, like, I'm the king, listen to me. No, he actually gives them a reason to follow him, right? And to convince them that, you know, even though, you know, you you may have seemingly died for nothing, you can at, at the very least be at peace for something, you know? Um, and I think sort of the way they, they were integrated into the final battle made a lot of sense. And then sort of closing off with that with that oath made a lot of sense to me. And um, I, really liked, I, I really liked it. It was different too, you know? Great shout, great shout there. Um, I, I wanted to ask you guys as well about how you felt um, of the final, just the battle scene in general. Something that I wanted to mention that I thought was really cool. Um, but I mean, not sorry. Once you hear what it is, you're gonna be like, fuck, Chris, that's cool. Um, I just thought it was really interesting <laughs> to read about it. So um, after the uh, collapse of that city, right? And the way it sort of fell, the tower and all that, the way it fell, sort of through the ground almost um a main point in filming was obviously consider the time right um they were trying to do whatever they could to make sure that the tower falling did not look or resemble 9-11 in any way shape or form um and that is why uh they they chose to have it go sort of through the ground in that way um when i was watching it i kind of felt like man this this is a little weird, right? This isn't what you would put, what you would think of, right? When something like, like, why is the foundation of the earth collapsing? Um, but once I understood that, I, it really changed my perspective on that final scene. No, it makes a ton of sense. That was one yeah. of the exact same thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I didn't even consider that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I'm just curious too. The time when the movie came out too. She only two, yeah, only two years later, two years you know, after, and yeah. and if that too, because maybe they were filming a bit after and deep consideration, yeah, mm -hmm. that's crazy to think about. Yeah. Yep. So as far as battle scenes go, um, personally, personally, this is me. I'm not throwing shade, but I enjoyed the battle scenes in the second installment more than this one. Um, it. it execution wise but also just the the way the gritty nature of it right compared to this one i feel like everything being so bright like while it helped to understand obviously what was going on i feel like for me it kind of took away a little bit of um the sort of i guess dire dire circumstances right uh but yeah i i, th I think i was really um i was really satisfied with uh the way this entirely wrapped up right because it did feel like we were always up against something that we never really truly understood what the strength was <laughs> like, like, although we knew that they were going to have these powerful forces, it always felt like right around the corner, there was another reason why all this might be insurmountable. And a, a, another moment of, of exactly that was when uh, the forces came in on those elephants. That was wild. Um, that, that was a moment of the film where I was like, man, it might be curtains uh, for our good our good heroes here. Um, <laughs> did you did you guys feel the same way when watching? Yeah, yeah. I I'm gonna be honest though. Those that and it's probably another. I'm not gonna get too heavy into it because, again, this was 2003, right? This movie came out. Um, I didn't like how Legolas went up that elephant. It just it looked 
it looked weird. And even like a close up of him actually getting up there and uh you know, I think fighting with a couple of the soldiers up there, it it just felt weird to me. Um, but again that's twenty twenty three, I think twenty years ago, Jesus. Looking at twenty twenty three or two thousand three through twenty twenty three ones. So I'm not gonna get, you know, harp on it too bad, but it, you could definitely tell You could tell the, the 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 amount of green screen that was there that just you know it just it felt it felt weird to me. Now I remember watching that scene for the first time. It felt amazing, it seemed amazing, and I and you know I I I was excited about about that. But it, at the same time, it was just it, looking at it now. It just it felt different. I didn't get that same excitement with that part. I didn't really take too much issue with it. I felt like, <laughs> with all the respect, if, if that bothered you more than the than the army of fake humans, uh, I feel well, yeah, for no. you. But but something that I thought was no. really interesting, though, and I, I think it was important for me to mention this because I, when I read this, yeah. I was kind of stunned by it. Um, a traditional film, right, usually has about two hundred or so. Um, visually enhanced right uh with with those added effects scenes or moments right uh this one had almost a thousand five hundred right so the majority of all of the all of the film really had some sort of digital enhancement so much so that they actually had to make a new server room <laughs> where they were editing in order to accommodate the rendering and and all of that of yeah. all of those different effects um yeah. so i feel you i think it, it did stand out as a moment like uh what's that mean are you, are you sure about that uh yeah. but at the same time um i i thought it was it was particularly impactful and i don't know how else they could have done something similar right to, yeah. to sort of bridge yeah. that gap um but i feel you on that yeah yeah just think about it like that's all you can do to bring those ele elephants down <laughs> they could have done that toward the beginning when those elephants were coming in right mm-hmm you know Making it much so, easier, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, made it made it a little That's easier lost. than it had to be, kind of. Yeah, I think uh, it was it was definitely a badass scene, though. I think seeing Legolas sort of, you know, literally quick scope, yeah. <laughs> elephant, you know, intervention. And, um, yeah, you know, and obviously bringing it to the yeah. ground was, um, awesome. Um, and even the way, um, um, what's her name? Um, oh my god. The uh, Eo Eowyn, Eowyn, or yeah. uh, the one who uh, fell in love with um, Aragorn. oh, I'm gonna forget name say Jesus, who <laughs> fell in love with um Aragorn, the yeah. dad chick. I think yeah. Um, I was gonna touch on this. Like, I was actually fine with her killing the the ring wraith, like the main ring wraith. Um. Because I think he ended up getting distracted. I forgot what he got distracted by. I, I think he was distracted by Mirren, actually. Because Mirren, Mirren was brought into battle. Because sort of Mirren and Pippin went on our own, like, own journeys there. Yeah. And then what I love, and this actually wasn't in your guys' cut, but there's a scene after where um, Eomer, Carl Urban, so their brother, I, I, I literally just found this out, honestly, <laughs> but their brother and sister, and he basically, like, discovers her on the ground and lets out, like, this this extremely loud cry um so i thought that was particularly effective 
Um, and he obviously saw all these bodies. I think he saw like a few horses on the ground, obviously bodies. So I do think that even though there are obviously a lot of fantastic elements involved, I do think that, um, especially with you know this this battle before obviously well before like the main one at the end of the movie, I think there's enough greatness there uh, to really convey like the brutalities of of how they're fighting and um, and everything like that. Um, and if there's one thing I can say about the second and the last battle, um, this also wasn't in uh, the ex regular cut for you guys. But Aragorn, at least I'm assuming it wasn't, and if it was, I'm going to feel like an idiot. But um, Aragorn, so basically, like, Aragorn goes up to, like, the gate, to the gates, and he requests to see, um, basically, the, like, the Lord of the of the Darklands, or whatever. So he comes through, and he basically asks him about the fate of Frodo, things like that, and then, like, the night, basically, like, the, the Lord says, uh, like, the Orc Lord says, like, oh, you know, they're dead, like, you you lost all hope, and then before that scene starts, he literally whips out his sword and cuts his head off. Oh wow! Yeah, in that, that scene, that's crazy. So <laughs> the reason why that was that wasn't in the scene, according to Jackson, was I think he wanted to keep it, but he felt it was out of character for Aragorn. I think that it's not. It may feel out of character, but I also think it's an in character moment. And to explain what I mean, when at thinking about everything Frodo and Sam have presumably gone through, to hear the words, your friends are dead, and the idea that all you've done has potentially been for nothing, it makes total sense that he would retaliate in that way. Um, and so, yeah, he just outright just cuts his head straight off and then uh, runs back to like runs back to the huddle, you know, about to call their next to call their next play. Um, hey, you know, if I would have so, saw that, I would have been Team Aragorn. God damn, I should have yeah, saw the yeah. extended edition. That's, that's another reason why, like, you know, I love that. I was like, that's definitely like an in character thing to do. Like, like I said, like, if someone says to you, your shit ain't me nothing, you know, and he says that your friends are dead, like, I don't think anybody wouldn't react the way Aragorn did. And I was like, that was, that was perfect. That was a really, really good moment. Um, but I do understand why they cut it because I think it, it's up for debate whether or not you know, you know if it if it's the right thing you know. But I I'm sorry it was too badass you know to to not be included you know. No, yeah. thank you for that. that. <laughs> yeah, that helped a lot. That that gave us yeah. a lot of context, legit. Yeah. Um. So I'm curious before we get into our star ratings, right? Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we didn't touch on, right? These movies are so vast, right? There's so much things that happen, and we're trying to get as much as we can of the main plot points. Yeah. So um, is there anything else you guys wanted to touch on? Uh, last thing. Um, and this is a major one, like a major, major one. So Solomon. Um, Saruman. Oh, yes. Saruman, yes. Um, so obviously, um, he appears just briefly in, in, in the opening scene. Obviously, Aragorn, Grimly, Legolas, and all of them sort of reunite. After um, Isengard is, is destroyed, um, so fun fact, he dies in the extended edition. I saw that. Yeah, he falls <laughs> off the tower, right? Yeah, because uh, basically he yes. like he la lays out this charge, and then I think Gandalf. So I remember that Legolas. You remember that guy who was manipulating the the other king of Gondor? Not, not like not the king of Gondor, like the king in that one city, uh, yeah. the the father Erwin. So he was there. Legolas, like, obviously shoots him. I think that was in your cut. 
Yeah. I think it was of of the of the of, of was a Grimer or whatever getting shot. Jeez, Grimer. Like Grimer, the you know the guy who was like, like in the king's ear whispering all the time. You know before oh, he yeah. like went back. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he I'm died. So he died in that scene, and then I think his name was Grimer. <laughs> I hope so. But um, so he died in the scene, and then Solomon like goes lay out this fireball attack. I think Gandalf deflects it or something. And then I forgot how he fell, but he basically fell off the tower and then literally landed on his wheel and then his body went underwater. So he died. Um, and the question I wanted to ask you guys is that's a pretty like significant difference. So I don't know if what they did in your cut made more sense or if you prefer what they did in your cut. So I don't know what it is they did. Was he just like alive and then was like imprisoned or like I'm just curious what they did. And if what they did was actually better than, you know, him dying, I guess. Wait, so which? I'm sorry. <laughs> what's the name of the character? I'm like looking. Saruman. So the, I don't know if you remember in the first trilogy, the first of the trilogy, the guy that fought Gandalf and sort of put him at the top of the tower. That's exactly how Saruman dies at the end. I don't th think that was in no. our cut. I, I saw that, that like a clip of that. I saw a clip of that. So that's the only reason why I know that that happens. Um, but yeah, that context really does help a lot because it gives a, yeah. <laughs> it gives a reference point. And then the fact that that didn't really happen at all in the regular uh, version, to me, it kind of doesn't make sense. Like that's a huge uh, part yeah. of the story, especially in part one um, that just sort of gets swept under the rug. So great shout on that one, Matt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I just like I said, I just don't know like if, if if what they did in your cut just made anything. More, like made, no, yeah. yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I, I didn't know if, if, if it was like if it was like fine with him staying alive or him die. Like I, I don't think it inherently matters, but I also think like it's a pretty huge difference. <laughs> exactly. You know, because if you go to like talk to somebody about Lord of the Rings, like yeah, it was crazy when Solomon died. Like what? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> you know. Um. And that's everything. And then I think the last um, sort of difference, and this was actually back to Fellowship of the Ring, is that, um, I, again, I talked about briefly about like the ending being beautiful. And honestly, we can all ramble all on about that. It's, it's, it's in my opinion, it's, it's really well done. And I think wraps up nicely. But a fun fact is that in the extended edition, the first Hobbit of the main four i think you see is sam and in both editions the last hobbit you see is sam so it's just sort of a nice little you know um i'm not, I'm not sure like yeah, a bookend yeah exactly I, I i wanted to mention that that too as sort of the the point i wanted to touch on because i love that part at the end where we didn't get like the Sam montage, right? Of like him achieving all his dreams. But we did get that moment of Frodo sort of handing over the book. And if I don't know if you guys caught this, but he writes in the book that Sam became the mayor of Hobbitstown. So we get sort of an idea oh, of no. the reward, right? Of what he yeah. went through and what he got from it in that moment. And I really love that because it really shows almost like a divergence in path between Frodo and Sam where they both went through this journey in two different ways. Right. Um, but they also came out of it in two different ways too. Like, I feel like Sam got 
got his moment of glory mm-hmm. right from that point forward but frodo felt almost ashamed right from what every everything he had went through and what the choices he had made so i thought that was a really cool book and to to that storyline yeah and i think um then him marrying rosie like considering like all he went through just to see him actually be with the love of his life you know um and even like when it comes to Mirren and Pippin, you know, like obviously they spent one of this huge journey together. You know, they they obviously went back um um to um to Hobbleton, obviously to Hobbleton, and then obviously I think it was a four year time jump and everything. So it was nice to know that even though the journey they went on was obviously full of challenges and you know they risked their lives, like the idea that they were at least able to live in prosperity with one another, you know, really warmed my heart. And I think honestly, like Frodo leaving, you know, was really emotional. Um, because not only is he leaving, but like all of the main species are leaving. Like it's 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 uh like the the like Middle Earth is for man now, you know. I think it's really just a reflection of the real world, you know, how even though we're so diverse, like oftentimes sort of like our main group like main groups of people occupy different parts of the world, you know. So I think that's sort of interesting to sort of see how like they're making the Lord of the Rings lore and have all these different species sort of occupy their own lands, you know, until, you know, who knows, maybe one day they'll come back together to face off against another threat. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then I feel like I was going to mention one more thing, but I kind of forgot it's on my head. Um, oh, yeah. And the last thing I wanted to say was another reason why I really love the ending is just the fact that, like, it's from Frodo's perspective. Because Frodo's obviously been the main character of the journey, but as he says to Sam, it's never been about him. It's been about the people around him, you know? And so it would, could have been very easy for them to have the final shot be on Frodo, like closing <laughs> the book, you know? But the idea, that, yeah, I know. Um, but having it be on Sam, I think, you know, makes the most sense, right? Because it's what Frodo would have wanted. You know, this idea that Sam is going to continue on with it, you know, with, with their story, with everyone's story, you know? Um, and that it's going to be his job from here on out to, um, you know, um, you know, start a family for himself, uh, as he does in, in the ending, too. So, very touching. Very touching. Frodo, Frodo's weak, bro. I, 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 I have no, I have no respect for Frodo at all. I have no respect for him. It's like, you do all of this, and then and then you leave. Like, you just run off. You know, we, like, Frodo's weak, bro. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love, that, how, that... I love how you will take no other answer. Literally. <laughs> I'm sorry. He just is. He just is, man. That 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 was that was after all he put Sam through on that whole journey, then he, he's the one that leaves. Like and a family with Rosie though. Sam got what he wanted. Yeah, what is is just he got to he live got, a good life. Frodo didn't after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I, that's the part I can appreciate. But <laughs> <laughs> Frodo just I, I I don't like Frodo, man. I don't, I don't like Frodo. I'm sorry. I know I know for damn sure. And I just want to mention this. Um, the the one part that got me, where I, I'm I'm be honest, I I almost actually almost said a tear was when. Aragorn, obviously, after he sees Arn in, in, in the crowd, um, and obviously he's walking over to the main four. When he said, um, "My friend, uh, you, you like you don't bow for no one," 
that was a really really amazing moment you know yeah. and then yeah what's funny was and obviously because Derek has been very outspoken about Frodo um I couldn't help but think of when the camera was zooming in on Frodo I could tell Derek was ready to <laughs> was ready he was ready to draw hands he was like make it yeah man because oh, he doesn't man. deserve that recognition yeah. he doesn't deserve to be bowed down to he doesn't deserve to 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 be praised he doesn't deserve his name to be in lore like he doesn't deserve all that he does, he helped yes he helped get that ring there but he didn't do what he was supposed to do at the end of the day he didn't do it it was his greed that that took him over to the edge and almost killed him and 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 thankfully Gollum bit his finger off to where it was like he was able to separate from the ring you yeah. see what i'm saying like you want to know what Derek? You want to know what you would have done? You would have panned in on Frodo and literally, and I think Sam was on his right. You would have done this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know, a, zoom in. Yeah. You know what I was thinking that entire scene? If I were Sam, I would have just pushed Frodo over. Yeah. The zoom in. While he's wearing Frodo the ring, I would have pushed him over into the lake of fire and let that be that. Dang. That's a good shout. I honestly thought that same thing. You like, did just too, get it over. He was wild. He was wild. <laughs> he was. Wilding, he was, he like, was. If it wasn't for Golem in some ways, we might be fucked, literally. Gollum, honestly, Gollum is indirectly a hero too. Indirectly, entirely. Indirectly. It, it, it is the most selfish hero ever. But yes. It's, he is very selfish. But indirectly, he saved Frodo from dying. Wait. So he's the goat. <laughs> he's the goat. Mm. Clearly, the that that's Derek's favorite favorite character. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the precious. He's the precious. Um, there, there's one note I wanna I wanna mention too that I thought was honestly has nothing to do with the film really, but I thought was really uh, profound for me at least. So I noticed this. And then I, I sort of wanted to get the context because I didn't really understand the lay of the land in 03, right? But um, mm -hmm. at the end, in the credits, um, obviously the Weinstein brothers were a part of this film and, and the development of it in Miramax. So um, in the credits, when their name appears, it actually, I don't know if you noticed this, um, is simultaneous on screen with a sketch of a, of a man fighting two trolls. Like a, a, as that was happening, oh. and that was because um, Sir Peter Jackson had such a hard time dealing with them throughout production. There was actually multiple times where they threatened him to say, "Like we could just give this to Quentin Tarantino and like x you out of this entirely." When he was trying to make casting decisions, and he didn't really understand like why they were being so headstrong with him, but come to find out later on obviously all these things came out and he was accused of sexually assault by so many different people but a big part of those casting sort of changes that sir peter jackson was trying to make that got shut down were people um women that were eventually uh a part of that lawsuit against harvey weinstein so you could oh, wow. see there was actually workings of that storyline involved in this film so that that was a, a really profound moment for me seeing that um and being like hey that's a that's a happy coincidence right there but apparently there was much more depth to why and then with the way everything plays out and our understanding of that now 
such a such a crazy moment, right? Of 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 movie history and and the way it was reflected in these different um, uh, moments leading up, right? Of actually the production, yeah. but then looking back now, it's kind of like wow, like that that's crazy that that was in the midst of all this. That's wild. That's yeah. wild. Really yeah. shows you, right? The the the. Yeah. the 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 lengths and power that they that they had right to to yeah. affect change in these kind of ways um and really spokes to that but uh on a much lighter note um i'm happy right i'm happy that that they got portrayed that way uh because it's very yeah. rightfully so um but now it's our favorite time right it, it's star ratings time baby it's time for us to to give our final um our final notes and of course our rating so i'm gonna throw to matt on this one because i'm really interested to hear what you have to say yeah i think um i'll probably get a two and a half yeah um no i think deal. that That's it's fair. overrated in some respects um i think that there are far you're too trolling many... right are you you're serious trolling. no i'm being serious nah he's trolling he's trolling <laughs> he's trolling. He's trolling. No, <laughs> I love that we um, had to ask, right? Because because yeah. he got me there. He got me there. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean obviously a five out of five. Um, there's really nothing bad to be said about this movie. Um, I loved every moment. And I think um, this is by by far one of the best trilogies I've ever seen. Um, and so I really appreciate you guys um, for really like uh, obviously you shout out to Derek and obviously shout out to you know the Chris like. Because they were the ones who really came up with this whole ology idea, you know, helping us, you know, come together all these different trilogies we can do. Um, it's been really great so far to really like focus and sort of see, you know, how these how characters can evolve over the course of three, three or potentially more movies, depending on whatever franchises we cover, you know. Um, and I think, you know, you know, these movies really excel at that. Um, and especially this one, you know. So, Pia Jackson, you have my respect. Um, no, I think, um, I, 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 I love the film, man. This is my favorite of the, of the trilogy for sure. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give it a five. I mean, I think that, um, there's nothing bad you can say about it. There's nothing that, uh, um, inherently that I would have changed outside of, you know, kicking Frodo over the, over the ledge. Um, but outside, I mean, the, the the film was good, man. I and I even thought that there was a there was a scene too with Gollum uh, having that that uh, back and forth with Smeagol, um in this film too. Mm-hmm. I think it was in the it was like a puddle or something like that, maybe a pond. Yep. And while they were sleeping, right? While they were sleeping, and it was phenomenal. I like again. I enjoy that dynamic um, where you're showing the the two opposite sides. Excuse me. That's probably that's easily not probably is easily my favorite um aspect of this trilogy is when uh Peter Jackson Peter Jackson has shown uh, showcased that um in the in the second and third films. So I, I I think that's main reason why Gollum is is my favorite character in the series is because he's so complex because you can cheer for him and hate him at the same time and it's very weird. It's very weird. So, nah, I can appreciate them. So, great, great, great character. Great, um, great series. I, I've loved this trilogy. Um, I think we might have to, at some point, have a discussion about our top five trilogies because this was, 
easily one of them that I can see us all putting in our top five. And mm-hmm. it was really very well done. Very awesome. well done. Godfather wishes, Godfather wishes it can be this good. Yeah, no, I was about to get into that because no, I got to ask you no, guys. No, so, no. so yeah, I'm going to ask it, but I, I'll give my star rating first. I full disclosure agree with all of you guys. I'm going five stars as well. This was my favorite film of the entire series. Obviously, I was critical of the second one specifically, but um, I, I think this one really obviously the payoff that we deserved, right, for waiting this long, right? But also uh, just the way everything came together. I, I really love this film. Um, but with that being said, at this point, I think it's undoubtable that this was the best third installment, right, of the two trilogies we've watched. Um, but at the same time, I'm just curious, how did you guys uh, feel as a trilogy this one matches up with The Godfather? Because me personally, I think the heights of one and two is higher than the heights of three, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as, like, a solid three films, I kind of feel like you have to give it to Lord of the Rings over the Godfather, um, but even though I think Godfather two and one are, are better than any of these movies, um, I just think it suffers so much because of that third one. So I'm curious where to, if you had to rank one and two as far as uh, the trilogies we've watched so far, what would it be? So what are we doing then? Godfather first, then then this one after. Because I think that the the first one, the first Lord of the Rings to me. Um, felt it's a, it's a it's a it's an origin story, right? Like we're we're just getting started with it, um, so it can't be so high impact and energy at, at the start, um. But I felt like Godfather was, even though that was an introduction as well. Um, it didn't feel as flat as the first as the Fellowship of the Ring uh, did to me, um. So I, I guess because of that, and I think that there were also other dynamics within Godfather that I think were just so consistent and and perfect versus, you know, the Lord of the Rings. I felt like there was a lot of, um, there were a lot of, there was a lot of filler. I think for me, I'm not a fan of filler. So, you know, um, excuse me, I think that's where it's just like for me, I, like, I, I, I can see where it works. Um, you know, it's like it's like buying a, a crab cake, a frozen crab cake, right? Like it's it's cool. Like it, it, you get full from it. If you get full of it, you eat eat enough of it. But you want that that real crab cake, that 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 stuff you can only get on the east on the on the coast, right? Like you can only get that from from uh like the Baltimore area and stuff like that, like where it's like really gonna be phenomenal and no filler. It's just it's all meat pause but it's it's amazing it's a great crab cake that's how i felt about about the godfather trilogy there wasn't filler there wasn't the filler. third movie was so much worse than any movie in this trilogy though that it it, it changes my perspective but i feel you I, I i can agree with you on that i can agree with you on that. well no i don't think that it was worse than than the first lord of the rings really i don't think it was the first it was worse than that one I think that's a hot take, Loki. But go ahead, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I just Lord of the Rings. Okay, so like, maybe we'll get into it more when we talk about like trilogies and stuff. But like, as I was like, I'm, I'm gonna be like upfront. I felt so bored watching The Godfather. 
like outside of a few like I'm being that serious. Like, outside of like a few key Chill. scenes that I found compelling, like I literally could not tell you scenes that I explicitly remember from The Godfather. And I don't know the if that's just me with poor memory. I was talking about like the whole trilogy. I, I can literally probably wow. name you three or four critical scenes. I literally don't like and it's weird. It's really weird. But Lord of the wow. Rings, like this whole trilogy, which I watched, like I watched every single movie back to back. I know I couldn't join you guys for one and the one and three episodes of Godfather, but like it just felt so monotonous to watch at times. And I think when I watched Godfather 2, like when I reviewed it, I, I think I gave it a, I, I gave it a five. But like, because honestly, like I didn't want to face like the backlash for me too if I gave it anything less than like a four and a half or something, or like even a four. Because if I put a three on that shit, you guys would, <laughs> I I would have been I would have been off the podcast. I would have been kicked off the podcast. But um, no, it's I'm like, thinking about kicking you out right now. I can't I can't believe yeah, this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like, yeah. I mean, it's not like a hot. I mean, it is a hot take. It's just like. It is. I don't know. I just, yeah. I, I felt way more compelled and I had a, a far more enjoyable time watching Lord of the Rings than I did Godfather. And when I got to the third one, like, the, literally the only scene I remember is when Michael goes, um, you know, they put like, you know, as soon as I walk out, they pull me back in. Really, really great scene, right? Showing how he sort of has his, like, has his desire to not go back into, go back into the game, so to speak, wants to be with his family. Obviously, he ends up getting a freaking heart attack out of it, you know. But then when he have all these scenes with like his daughter, you know, and with respect, obviously, I love, I, I, uh, I freaking love um, Francis, uh, Francis's daughter as a director, phenomenal director. Um, and actually, I think she has a new movie coming out. Um, about um, Elvis's wife. So looking forward to that. Shout out. But when it comes to her acting, just like acting, they were. I'm sorry, but they were dreadful to sit through. And I don't blame her. I just blame the fact, and I think I mentioned this, is that she unfortunately benefited from her father being the director of the trilogy. And I don't know if she went through a typical casting process or if she was just selected because of the name. You know, and I don't like to make these kinds of accusations because I'm sure she has she had talent to give, but I think also Francis probably didn't give her the same kind of direction as any of the other actors. You know what I mean? Because that's his daughter at the end of the day, you know? You don't want to disrespect her, and obviously you have more of an attachment to her than other people you have on the production crew. You know? So I also think that's another reason why her performance in the third movie was just not good at all. I don't think she was devoid of talent. It's just when you're not given proper direction, you know, in a script, even though it's it's not particularly great, like it's it's enough there on the page for you to make something out of nothing. I feel, you know, because I understand what they're trying to do with the character, especially like the ending of the movie. You know, to show that there's consequences to Michael having done what he done in the past, having done what he did in the past, and ultimately catching up to him. You know, great ending. I would still argue, really great ending. Um, great acting by Al Pacino, but yeah, it's just like it was. It was just. It was a trilogy, and you know I'm gonna sit by it. I'm probably not gonna be on the podcast next week, y'all. I'm on this huge rant. I love y'all so much. Um, yeah, this is the last time y'all gonna see me out here. Uh, cause I don't, I don't, I think after this record is over, I'm about to uh, have to write my resignation. I think I'm being forced into retirement. Like, uh, I'm going to no, I retirement love, I love like that Bruce you have this stance, the stance, right? I love that you have this stance because it's very clear. 
and, and I say this with no disrespect, right? Um, if anything, we are very close in age, right? But I feel like I feel like you are entirely on the side of like this movie's fucking boring, like like the TikTok generation of like this is fucking boring, uh, which I can respect. Like ultimately, I think it's a respectable position. Uh, but at the same time, I don't mind. Obviously, this is your opinion fully. So, yes, please do be honest. Right. I, I would much rather you be honest. It's just so far from what is my truth. Right. That I, I'm 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 jarred. I'm shocked. I, I don't feel like I, I can't tell if this is a bit or not still. Right. Even though you've reiterated that it's not. Um, obviously, I'm going with the Godfather trilogy as far as which one I find better, but I really do think there's an argument for what is the better three movies being the the Lord of the Rings. Um, I I wasn't anticipating enjoying it as much as I did, right? Like I'll be honest, as far as watching the films, I for a long time I'm a nerdy guy. Like I'm I I want to establish that it's not like this is far from my norm, right? Like I'm a nerdy dude that plays RuneScape, right? Like I this you would think this would be in my alley, right? Uh but for whatever reason I always was kind of like not not fully interested in watching these films and after watching them, I definitely did enjoy them. Um but I still don't feel like I'm a part of the franchise, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like a lot of people, like, like when I watched Game of Thrones for the first time, like I was a part of that. You know what I mean? Like, I still feel like I'm not there with Lord of the Rings, but I definitely can't appreciate yeah. the movies for sure. So, um, Now that we've now that we've let off a couple shots, I think all of our promo clips should be those rants, by the way, because it doesn't get better than that, brother. It does not. Uh, but thank you guys so much uh, for for going and, and completing this trilogy with us. Uh, really, really excited to hear what you guys think as an audience and what you would want next. Right? Would love to hear suggestions on what potential trilogies you'd like to see us cover next. Had a ball doing this one, like the last. So really looking forward to getting that all uh, fleshed out. Um, as far as my individual accolades, you can follow me on Instagram at Chris Negron underscore, as well as on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it at Negron MMA. Um, I'm going to make us I've made the same handle for TikTok. Not uh, not active just yet, uh, but I'm working on it. I swear I'm trying to learn my girlfriend. <clears throat> excuse me. Whew, my girlfriend Bless keeps you. calling me an old man uh, because I'm having such a hard time figuring out how to use Twi uh, TikTok. So. I will learn, I promise. And before you know it, you'll be able to find a lot more clips from the shows we do up on my TikTok. But until then, make sure you follow me on all those other platforms and you're following the brand, OTS Media Co., as well as OTS Media on YouTube. Uh, with that all being said, uh, Derek and Matt, tell us where the, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, uh, you can follow me at Derek underscore OTS, D-E-R-I-C-K, black way to spell it, baby. You can find me over Instagram at underscore T29. Yes, sir. Make sure you're following them so that you're staying in tune uh, with all of our decisions moving forward. Really awesome episode, you guys. Had a, had a blast doing it, for real. Uh, can't believe how quickly uh, this time has passed. Uh, but thank you so much. Until next time, we'll catch you. Peace.